in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bullyproofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call at 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, share your thoughts to team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, today we're going to be discussing the financial planning rules of thumb. Are they worth using? Hmm. You need to be aware or beware of financial planning myths. A lot of myths out there. You hear rumors of how you should approach your retirement. Uh, those are akin to a myth. And we're going to try to kick the tires of that and check it out. And share with you some transparency behind the rules and if they apply to you. You know, they are generalized rules of thumb. And when designing your plan, don't you think it's best to customize it and tailor it to your specific needs? Whether some of these rules apply to you or not, we will find out. You know, you always hear about financial planning rules of thumb, but uh, uh, one that comes to mind, well, we hear this a lot, the 4% rule for income. You know, where 4% of your investable assets can be what you take each year as your cash flow or income from those investments. Well, to the extent that uh, true will depend on how you're invested. It also depends on if you should still take the 4% or whatever dollar amount as your accounts go down, um, you know, due to some fluctuations in the market. The market goes up, down, sideways, always has, always will. And we need to make sure you're less down when it's down and, and as up or more up when it's up, net of any cost. And you'll find that to be true with our portfolio styles and strategies. Um, here's another one that's just so common. 80% of pre-retirement income rule, you know, where if you're making $100,000 a year take-home pay uh, through your, say, your, your working year, your last working year even, and then you step into that first full year of retirement, that would, uh, that would assume that you need only 80,000, you know, 80% of the 100. Well, is that true? Maybe, maybe not. It's just important to have a track to run on when it comes to retirement planning. But we want you to exercise a little bit of uh, caution or discretion, you know, and putting too much weight in any one of these financial planning rules that we'll cover today. So how well do they work? You, um, you know, it depends on timeframes, right? Investment types, asset classes, um, how the market rolls, uh, economies, you know, recession, uh, depression, great recession, uh, just a bullish market, cyclical bulls, all the things you hear from the, the talking heads and um, the news and the noise that you catch through internet and well, TV or even radio. Keep that in mind. But we're here to speak over you some truth as we are, as the top of the show says in each, each segment, each break, we are financial fiduciaries. That means we put your interest first in each transaction or whatever relationship or business activity that we're involved in with our clients. Brokers can't say that. You know, brokers, um, there's an old cliche in our firm just kind of coined, brokers make you broker. So they got that, they got that verbiage right. 
Well, when it comes to these rules, would they work for all shapes and sizes of retirement portfolios out there? Now, how can you know if your personal situation matches up well with each financial planning method or any of them? Quite frankly, one rule of thumb may work better for you than it might for someone else and vice versa. So today we want to talk about a few common rules of thumb. We see it out there in the marketplace being used constantly. And how, how can you know if it holds any merit for you and your money, your retirement and your future? Or if it doesn't, you need to know. All right. So let's get to the thought provoking questions that tie into today's show. So for starters, what is the best way or is there a best way to determine how much is actually needed to retire? Here's a couple of hints. It involves budgeting. It also involves having control of your spending habits. Con compare your inflows to your outflows. Is there a surplus or is there maybe a deficit? Do I really need at least a million dollars to retire comfortably? Maybe that's the key word there is comfortably. And remember, the I versus the we is depending upon your situation. If it's you individually versus you collectively. Another one, how does the 100 age rule work? We'll get to that in more detail throughout today's show. What's the best way to determine how much, at least on a percentage basis, how much should be invested in stocks versus bonds? What's your risk number? What's your risk allocation? Does it change depending upon what the market's doing? If you're one of these who thinks, well, when the market's doing well, I'm aggressive. When the market's not doing so well, well, didn't you know I'm conservative? Isn't that how it works, right? Mm -hmm. What types of assets should be owned in a portfolio as a hedge against inflation? Very important in what today's environment looks like. What should I do, or at least what should I focus on first? Should it be paying off debt or should it be saving for retirement? Or can it be maybe a combination of both? Can I get by on a 70 to 80% level of my working income in retirement. Maybe the, the inverse of that is like saying, do I really want to try to have a 20 to 30% reduction in my standard of living in retirement? Is that what that's all about? How dramatically could expenses change over time? Not only when you're working, but also in those initial years after retirement. How is your spending going to be or projecting your spending to be initially upon retirement versus the later years, maybe in your 70s or 80s, after you've maybe lived it up for a little bit of, of time here. Mm -hmm. When choosing investments, what reliance should I have on the track record? Track record investing. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, right? We hear that often, but still we look at the past performance as a guide, usually to see what we should invest in or what we think we should invest in. And it's also a part of market timing. How will this market timing work? Now, going back to Greg and, and the 4% rule, could adherence to the 4% withdrawal rule keep me from running out of money, at least prior to running out of life? Yes. Or could it accelerate um, if you get stuck on dollars and not percentage, the depletion of your money? You know, that, that old example that we've uh, toyed with many times here on the show, if you had a million dollars in investable assets and, uh, you took 4% of that, which would be 40,000 a year. Maybe that's exactly what you need for your cash flow to make things, um, you know, meet, meet your objectives. Social Security plus this 40,000 a year gets you exactly where you need to be, just for example. So then the next year, I mean, the market drops to 800,000. It causes you to lose. It's it's a bear market. Maybe the market's but uh, through investment mix, you're that's good, less down, right? 
on that million took you 100,000. Well, four per thousand. Can you live on eight less this year? Honey, go to the mailbox. We're going to be missing some. So if you, however, if you $1,000 spend down on dollars, if the market's flat, where are you at? You're at 700 because you just spent 40,000 more this year. When we speak of uh, running out of money before you run out, it's a serious concern. It's the number one of retirees as they transition from work in the first year of retirement Here's for you. You don't need to worry about it or about it. You just need to come in and see us. Their number is 517-965-495-9654. Email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. We'll get you in. We'll have a discussion. We'll look at your, your puzzle pieces, your financial picture. We'll uh, do an analysis, a portfolio review. Look at all the internal cost spreads, fees, margins, and loads that you might be paying. See if your risk is correct and on track or if you're taking on more risks than you're aware of or what might be inappropriate for you in that transition in time into this new phase of life called retirement. And basically, we'll just do a holistic review. We are a holistic investment advisory firm. We do insurance, investments, taxes, tax advisory, estate planning, income planning, social security maximization, pension maximization, and pension selection of the options that you're confronted with. And you know, it's just it works together like the Mayo Clinic of Financial Services. Brokerage firms don't do that. Investment banks don't do that. Uh, insurance agents can't do that. Who do you listen to? Why do you listen to them? If they don't have a financial fiduciary duty to put your interests first, you ought to reconsider having anything to do with any firms like that because the house always wins. That's why casinos are by and large still open today because you get just enough to keep you playing and keep you at the table. But in the end, you lose enough, all or too much, typically statistically. And that leaves you in a place you don't belong. You don't deserve. We're different and we'll help you. We're The house is where you're welcome here at the table, sitting next to each other, not across from each other. We're in the same jersey, same team to, to win for you, win on purpose. Just some thoughts. I look at um, you know the rule of 100 or the rule of 120, your mix of stocks and bonds or other assets. Should you in include annuities, uh, fixed annuities, fixed income annuities or fixed index annuities. You hear a lot about this stuff. Don't trust some 1-800 number and they send you a brochure and you, you end up uh, giving your money to a group of people you'll never see and never talk to and don't even have a real plan just because you were annuity shopping after a Saturday morning uh, financial program. You know, you just need more than that. You deserve more than that. Uh, James? Well, if you saw it on the internet, it must be true, right? <laughs> Anyway, there's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. 
And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, we're glad to have you listening as we continue our topic for today. Financial planning rules of thumb. Are they worth using? Are they worth using? A rule of thumb is an informal piece of practical advice, like a proverb, right? Providing simplified rules that apply in most situations may or may not apply to you. However, that's what we've got to figure out. There are many rules of thumb in uh, finance, financial services that give you some guidance on how much to save, how much to pay for a house, how uh, much to invest, etc. Rules of thumb. Rules of thumb. They are not scientific rules. Uh, they don't take into account the individual circumstances that make up your life, the needs of you as a person or an individual or as a couple or as a household, and they may not be applicable to your particular situation. So here are some examples of the financial rules of thumb, at least we'll, we'll cover today. And there are several well-known financial rules that, um, that kind of, they have the byproduct of establishing some healthy financial habits, and they can provide some guidance for investors but not specifically, again, maybe not specifically to your situation. James, let's go through a few of these. In general, this is what you should do, especially if you are a W-2 wage employee or even if you're self-employed. That means pay yourself first. So here's what that means. If you have access to a 401k or 403b or some type of employer plan at work, pay yourself first by contributing to that plan. And especially if there's any type of a company match, at the very least, contribute up to the company match. Otherwise, you're essentially turning down free money if you don't do this. Now, how much should you save? Well, depends upon your situation. Typically, this is the rule, right? The rule of thumb, start with at least 5%, maybe preferably 10 or even 15%. So it's, it's kind of like this. Depending upon your cash flow situation, what you can realistically afford, that's what you should put in. And if you think, well, I can actually afford five, well, maybe if you just simply tighten the budget, that belt a little bit on your on your budget, make it six or seven or even 10%. Yes. So that's the first thing is pay yourself first. Don't pay Uncle Sam, pay yourself first. And on that pay yourself first, you'll see a lot of reports and studies and research that suggest that uh, people 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, 60 to 70, and say uh, 70 and above have these different bands of money saved and how how sad it is statistically and mathematically uh, how how behind the curve uh, people from ages 20 through 50 are towards their retirement savings and um, so if you take this rule to heart if you're out there between 20 and say 50 please do yourself the favor the future self of you a huge favor don't save a penny less than 5% of your take-home pay. And I mean that, not a penny less. You're worth it. You're important too. And your future is vitally important. Just wait till you get there and find out. And then for those of you that are 50 and above, we know who you are. We, we, um, we're very similar to you. And here's what we know about you. You're, you're grounding third and heading for home. Uh, you're close to or already an empty nester. You've never made more in your career than you are now. You've never been in control of your expenses, probably better than ever than now. You, you have the ability to save more 
than you've ever in your entire life. So do it. Do it. Make a new discipline out of an old discipline and step up from my hoping 5% in annual savings at a minimum to, as James said, 10 or 15%. This is your catch-up time. In fact, you know, when it comes to um, 401k participation after your certain age, what do they call that? It's exactly what Uncle Sam calls it. It's the catch-up provisions where Uncle Sam says if you're 50 and above, you can add more and save more into those retirement plans. And you better do it. Now, segueing into what type of an account should you do? Should you do traditional accounts such as a traditional 401k? Should you do a Roth 401k? Again, 403b is just a different flavor of the same type of a, of a plan. Well, the answer is yes. Now, which one should it be? Maybe it's a combination of both. It depends upon your age. It depends upon what is your time horizon as far as uh, when is your retirement date. So the younger you are, in general, the more beneficial it is to make contributions to a Roth account. But that also means for people who've done the traditional approach, it's also a, a factor of what is your tax bracket. So the larger your tax bracket, the more savings you will realize up front by contributing to a traditional plan. And if you're looking at future tax rates and saying, well, I'm going to do a trade-off of what the tax rates are today versus the tax rates into the future. Again, that's part of the conversation of should you do traditional versus Roth? That's also a conversation you should have with your financial advisor and also your tax advisor. Hopefully that's the same company, someone such as us. Yeah. Someone I, who can give you not only financial advice, but also tax advice. Now, the next one, also for the self-employed people out there, that's where you should look into creating and funding a SEP IRA. SEP is basically for self-employed people. I know it stands for something a little bit different than that, but think of the SEP as an acronym for self-employed persons. That version of an IRA, that's your retirement plan if you're self-employed. Now, the next category has to do with paying down the high interest rate debt. So in other words, spend less on the interest that you're paying by paying down or paying off the debt that costs you the most. Next one, this is where we really should start, is create a safety net. That means have some type of emergency fund equal to at least three to six months worth of your household expenses. That doesn't mean that you just simply mothball that money and have it sitting in cash but you want to have at least somewhat conservatively invested so it's not taken away by what the market may do or has done to you when it comes to investments. Yeah, and some kind of liquid investment with low risk is appropriate for money that you don't really need at this moment, but you might need in case of emergency. So as James said, it doesn't have to sit stagnant somewhere. It can be money in motion. Just uh, be cautious to what you invested in. Greg, what's next? Tracking your spending. Uh, budgets. I can tell you there are many clients or prospects that we encounter that are blessed enough financially to look across at us and say, you know, that's a good question. What is our budget? We've never really kept one. We've always had just enough cash. And, um, but we, we should do that. Absolutely. We should do that. Track your spending, arrive at a budget, know where your money's going each month. So you can track those inflows and outflows. As you transition to retirement, you want to know which types of expenses are standard. You know, they're, they're monthly. Um, you might call them non-discretionary. And then those expenses that kind of vary each month according to what you might do, what you might buy, you know, um, wants versus needs. That is uh, discretionary. It's at your discretion if you do or don't spend that. 
you might find you'll be focusing on resolving some debt to reduce your non-discretionary expenses, the ones you don't feel you have much control over. And you will find that you have the ability to create some surplus where surplus may or may not already exist by reducing some of your discretionary spending, the wants, and, and figure out what really works for you ongoing. And when it came to um, that uh, that point about saving and paying yourself first, you know, the buckets of money you create over time and accumulate, you should treat them uh, at least as three separate buckets. One is comfort cash. Two is enough money uh, squirreled together and invest in such a way that will produce the income you need to supplement your cash flow in retirement. Social Security, maybe a pension, plus what? Income from this second bucket. And then a third bucket, the one that's long-term, uh, can be maybe invested a little more risky uh, relative to return and your risk tolerance always. And that bucket of money is going to be hedging inflation, be there to supplement cash flow if the bucket number two runs a little tight because of inflation. And it'll be there for those emergency needs or things that just come up that won't throw your income strategy, your lifestyle off by any degree whatsoever. We want to help you build that plan, put those monies to work in the right place for the right reasons, according to your risk, and make sure you get the reward for the risk you take over time as your paycheck. So, you know, home purchase, it should uh, cost less than the amount equal to two years of your annual income. If you ever wonder how much you should be spending on a home, if you make $150,000 a year, then that's $300,000 uh, target purchase price. You could probably go a little above. You can always go a little under and still be okay. But it's a rule of thumb, right? That's all we're talking about here, rules of thumb. And there's more. And we'll come back to several of these rules as we continue. All right. And our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned to listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borden. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. And it really does all start with having a plan. That means knowing what you own, why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, social security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, perhaps for some even an in-service rollover, all those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com, email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all. Well, if you are someone who's been affected by the pandemic as it relates to your workplace and career, Maybe you were forced out of some employment over, uh, you know, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate or no booster for me, whatever the case. It could be that even the current administration policies, um, as it, it revolves around energy and, and green, um, many companies, large companies across America have entered into a, a pact, an agreement, a contract, uh, a forced compliance. I wouldn't necessarily call it voluntary, which is uh, quite unfortunate to be a certain level efficient in energy and away from fossil fuels and, and, and related, um, so much so that plants are closing or scheduled to close. 
it doesn't matter how busy they are. We have prospects and clients that we've been working with recently that are telling us firsthand reports or accounts, if you will, where their plant, their employer has never been busier, is meeting the needs of its consumers, uh, struggling to keep up, working double shifts, etc. And yet, what? They're closing because they're forced into some new realm of compliance. So if you're out there, maybe you're just in a, a, an age where a buyout's occurring from your company. You are someone confronting pension decisions, lump sum, uh, an annuity payment you know, for life or some combination. We can help you with that. You need to roll over your 401k to an IRA. We can help you. Get it privatized. Get it in your personal private plan. We'll help you build uh, as you transition to a new employer and start up that process of rebuilding and saving in a 401k. Don't leave one company 401k, roll it to another 401k. Take this opportunity to roll it out. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your crossroad, we are here as a holistic firm to help you financially. It'll be complimentary. That means it's there's no obligation. There's no cost. Our first appointment is all, all about you, getting all the information, puzzle pieces about you financially on the table. Our follow-up is we'll share all the analysis, recommendations, and findings. We will make our recommendation as to what you should do. We'll have your draft comprehensive financial plan ready for you to participate in, and get your fingerprints on it, dig in and tighten it up to make it just what you need. And then at the end of that process, not a dime spent by you, just investment of your time, ours and you and our resources, we'll arrive at a decision-making moment where you'll transparently have all the facts, good information to make a decision. Do we work together or don't we? Okay, you have that right. You're free to take our recommendations and information analysis forward with you if you decide not to work with us. You'll know all the costs to implement the plan and maintain it. It's not going to be a guess what's happening to you, guess what we're going to do for you or to you. No, we work with you and for you. It's a totally different game here. This is the way we do business daily. So give us a chance to assess your situation. If you are uncertain in any level, don't remain uncertain about anything financial. Give us a call, 513-575-9654, 575-9654, or team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Just send us an email. All right. Life insurance. Greg, let's talk about life insurance. Well, there is a rule of thumb there, wouldn't you know? At least five times your gross salary in life insurance death benefit is um, maybe appropriate for you. You know, is what uh, phase of life, how old are you, what are your health conditions, how much would it cost? All that is relative and relevant. But um, then positioning and purpose of it. Certain financial phases of life, you use life insurance to guard against premature death so that, uh, you know, a loved one can be made whole, maybe have enough of a boost in money uh, up front to save and invest that you didn't get to earn over time to save and invest because of the death. Uh, later in life, it becomes more of a, a tax saving tool or legacy tool. You want to enhance your legacy? Life insurance. You want to uh, offset some tax uh, cruelty? That may happen to your legacy bucket when you leave it. If you leave a large IRA that's never been taxed and you leave it to your adult children at the time they're in their highest earning career time frame of their life and they receive all this never been taxed money, it will send the tax liability on that money through the roof. Maybe 50 or 75% of it may go to Uncle Sam. And here you thought your two children were your beneficiaries at 50-50 each. No, they're about 25-25 each and Uncle Sam's 50%. Your number one beneficiaries, little Sam, 
Did you see it coming? We can help with that. Second, uh, to die life policies pay only when the both of you are gone. Then it pays into your estate and can offset and show up just in time tax-free to pay the taxes on your estate so your family gets all of your accounts, investments, property value, whatever it is, um, parting gifts and prizes. There's a place for life insurance. And you know, it's not just about insuring your life. Are you aware that it's okay? And I mean this. Don't listen to brokers who make you broker. Don't listen to real estate agents turned financial gurus telling you that all annuities are bad. That's baloney. First of all, they shouldn't be giving advice if they're not licensed and registered to do so. So I can tell you, there's some groups that over time we've separated from because they're just not qualified to give advice and their advice isn't good. So the other side, brokers. Um, these platforms that have Super Bowl commercials, football stadiums named after them, run um, intense commercials. And, and you know all the names of these major firms. They brand very thoroughly, but they're not a fiduciary. They don't work for you. So watch out. That's like trusting your eggs with, with the wolf uh, dressed, you know, uh, you know, the sheep in, in wolf's clothing. Or is it just the opposite a wolf in sheep's clothing? You don't need to worry about any of that. Just come with someone that has your interest at heart because Here's the positioning of a good annuity. There's probably bad annuities and there's annuities used for the wrong person typically or wrong purpose typically is fostered by an insurance agent acting like a financial advisor telling you to put market money into an annuity when they're not advised, they're not certified or registered to give advice on whether what you when you buy or sell any security, let alone sell your investments to fund an annuity. That's actually illegal. Anyway, Putting money in an annuity is not illegal, and it might be right for you. An example of um, the kind of annuity that would work, a fixed index annuity that links to an index, so you get some of the upside of a market index, S&P, Dow, some proprietary indexes, pretty cool stuff, with none of the downside. So you can fully insure your money against market risk, and you can add an income rider that will end up building to a, a benefit that will pay you a paycheck for life, for you and your significant other for the rest of your forever, another social security check, another pension check, if you will. Some part of your money can go to this. Which part of your money, which half of your money you're willing to lose? Well, the half you don't want to lose or put at risk, you don't have to. Now, why do brokers not like these? Because there's no fee, you see. They'll charge you a fee on all of your money 100% of the time and put you at market risk 100% of the time until you either die or fire them. Now, we have a fee-based firm and then we have an insurance division to help with the fully insured investment accounts too. And we'd like to show you some of that. You know, you may be able to get a 10% or even a 16% upfront bonus. You know, I might dig you out of a market pullback right now, put you back on high ground, and then you get uh, participation in the S&P or some of these other indices to the tune of 4%. So if the market's up eight, you get four. If the market's down 10, uh, you're down nothing. You don't go backwards on these. You retain your gains. And there's some proprietary indices where you might get 80 to 100% of the return with none of the downside. So these are worth looking at. Looking at not at a bank, not at a brokerage firm, not with an insurance agency, but with a financial advisory firm that's holistic and fiduciary to make the recommendations that make a difference for you. Or if you're out there and you're thinking, my goodness, I just want some of my money in the old CD. Well, the CDs, the banks don't pay much. They pay kind of like dust on a corpse. Well, you deserve more. You deserve better. We have CD type annuities that are highly competitive. I mean, here's one that's currently five years at 3.62%. Banks aren't doing that. 3.62%. Uh, 
uh, three year at 3.30%. Okay. We would like to help you with whatever it is before you call a bank or a brokerage firm, call us. There are a number of things we can do to help you succeed on purpose. Let's, let's finish up on a couple of these. On the life insurance, if you've heard this, buy term and invest a difference. Well, first of all, we're not big fans of term life insurance. You're actually getting a temporary policy or temporary term for a permanent solution. We're all going to die at some point in time. It's just a matter of when, right? And then on average, when you say, well, term policies, how effective are they? Well, they're great for the insurance companies because less than 5% of term policies ever pay out. So be careful which type of policy, if you're going to buy life insurance that you want to pursue purchasing. And the second part, though, if you do buy the, the cheap or the inexpensive version of life insurance, make sure that you do invest a difference. Now, the rule of 100 or the rule of 110, there's a couple of ways of approaching this. That means your age represents the percentage of bonds you should have in your portfolio or a bond replacement strategy in your portfolio. And then the converse is your age subtracted by, you know, from 110 or from 100 is what you should have at stock market risk or equities risk, again, inside your portfolio. There's more. There's much more. Our phone about the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Mind Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borden. We are an independent RIA, registered investment advisory firm, working for clients, not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email address is team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we have some locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, financial planning rules of thumb, are they worth using or should they be taken with a grain of salt? Well, let's see. Financial rules of thumb that might not, may not actually work for you. Save 10% of your income rule. If you don't know how much to save, it's better to save 10% of your income than nothing at all. It's a useful starting place. But the reality is some people have already saved enough or possibly inherited enough money and they don't need to save more. Now. That makes me kind of twitch a little. I believe you should always be in the, the process of saving. If you have a surplus, redeploy it, get the benefit of some time value of money if invested properly, come up with a purpose, align all money with the job description and a purpose and find a place for it, a meaningful place. So, but, you know, it is true to self-impose and dictate to yourself a specific savings rate if you may not need to, this may not apply to you. You know, others could need to save far more than 10%, on the other hand, of your income to maintain the lifestyle that you want to have in retirement. So any specific rule, whether you need to save that much or save more than that, is going to be a byproduct of getting good advice. And that's what we'll help you with. You know, using your age as the sole determinant of your stock to bond allocations. There's a there's a rule there. Well, we've seen this one, in fact, used and talked about almost uh, infinitum. The theory goes like this, that when you're trying to figure out how much of your money to invest in stocks versus bonds or fixed income, you should just use your age. So example, subtract your age from 100. Okay, if you're 60, 
100 minus 60 is 40, right? 60 would be in safety or safer type of investments. And the rest would be in stocks, the 40% in stocks. That's a risk-adjusted allocation between stocks and bonds based on age using the rule of 100. Now, if you lean more aggressive, and James, we see this too, we'll use a rule of 110, even rule of 120. You can see what would happen in that example. Okay, if it's uh, 120 minus 60, uh, that would leave 60% in, in uh, yeah, equities, basically, a little lean more uh, risk-oriented. So every situation is different. And using a specific rule of age or 100 may or may not be right for you. So your age would be obviously that amount or percentage that you invest more conservatively, okay, represents your age. And as mentioned, the difference would be in equities. But here's a thought. When it comes to bonds in general, we've all seen that bonds have taken a bit of a bath this year. The Fed, Federal Reserve uh, announced, you know, rate increases of four to seven different increases of a quarter to half percent, very likely over that period of, say, 18 months. Okay. The bad news is they announced cost of money's going up. The good news is they announced the number of moves anticipated all at once. So the market can kind of bake that into uh, what became a bit of a correction, which is normal. One to two, 10% corrections in 18 to 24 months is normal. It's healthy. So don't get too bent out of shape of some of these uh, movements in the market. But about the bonds, if you're trying to be safer on the part that's in your bond mix and bonds are going down because interest rates are going up, the market value of bonds are going to go down by at some percentage. Well, James used a couple of keywords earlier, bond replacement. You can use a fixed index annuity, maybe a shorter duration annuity that we would align for your purpose and your plan to take the take on the role of the bonds. So let's say that you had a 60-40 portfolio, 60% equities, 40% bonds. Well, the 40% instead of a bond, we put in a fixed index annuity. Why? Because it can't go backwards. You cannot lose money. How do you make money? Well, as the market moves up, you would get a percentage of that upside. If the market is flat, you get zero. If the market's down, you get zero. So we solve for the toxicity of the bonds with the bond alternative. Okay. And then that would leave the rest of your portfolio holdings in equities. And we have strategies for equities, multiple strategies, and oftentimes combine multiple strategies in the mix just for you. It could be um, a growth stock strategy. It could be our, our super strategy, the tilt, where it has growth stocks, a consumer staple and a select S&P-like uh, tracking fund, value and dividend stocks, contrarian uh, value, um, well, undervalued stocks. And there's just so much to what you can have and should have that you're not going to get in the cookie cutter world of the 401k platforms or the brokerage firms that don't actually work for you. So anyway, the, the theory of uh, all this allocation concept became popular with 401ks when, when they first came out. You know, workers had to decide on which funds they're supposed to invest in. So they come up with some kind of magical elixir or formula that's too broad to actually be really purposeful for you. But statistically, over long periods of time, James, 60, 40 portfolio blends um, without even getting too clever has proven to be one of the best blends um, in, in market investing history in terms of just simple allocations. So anyway, James. Well, on the rule of 100, just to finish that thought, in general, that's the basis for what we see for target date funds or life cycle funds, however they want to phrase it inside the 401ks and other types of of retirement plans at work. In other words, it's like a default selection that says if you don't actually 
pick and choose what you want to be invested in. The default is to put you into a target date fund that loosely ties to your projected retirement date. Now, the next one is about the amount of income you're going to need in retirement to live comfortably. So if you hear this that says you will need 70 to 80 percent, maybe we should rephrase that and say you will need at least 70 to 80 percent of your working income in retirement to live comfortably. So think about this. In retirement, every day is like a Saturday, right? When do you spend the most money while you're working? Or is it on the, on the weekend? So when you're still in those working age years, when do you spend the most money? During the week or on the weekends? And then when you're retired, it's like every day is a Saturday, right? Now, here's another way of looking at it. And this is like the rhetorical question that says, doesn't living a discretionary life cost money? Or maybe the question should be more appropriately faced is, how much money is that going to cost? Are you going to spend your time traveling? What are your hobbies? How expensive are your hobbies? What are you going to do with your time in retirement? And that's also why quite often we see people tend to front load their income plan in retirement. Greg? Yeah, and front loading your income plan, it's it's really so, you know, if you desire to spend more money while you're still younger than older um, and fresh enough to do so, that kind of thinking, um, kind of better put, might be the first 10 years of your retirement um, might be the sweetest. And then the next 10 years, you want to be just like the first 10, but uh, fate may not show you that, uh, that, that luxury. You may not have that luxury. So in a way, if you front load the income from your investments and use more of your investable assets uh, geared towards more emphasis of income in the first 10 years so you can do more of those things while you're excited to do them, able to do them even. Um, and then when you get to the second 10 years, you might be able to do some more, but you've kind of been there, done that, and there might be less items left on your bucket list. So anyway, the second 10 and getting into your third set of 10 years, which we're seeing retirees that need to plan for 20, 30 years, you know, constructively unemployed. How do you make it work? How do you replace employment income when you're not employed? The retirement cash flow. These are just ways to, to look at maybe using more income earlier in life. And then later in life, you might find that um, you don't need as much cost of living increase. You may not need more of your money at that time. Doing less is almost kind of like uh, an inverted um, cost of living increase. If you have the same money this year as you had last year to spend, but you're doing less, it'll feel like you have more. Just some thoughts. Other things you should think about, you may not be spending in your working years, um, but many develop a spending need for during retirement. In other words, there are some expenses that you just don't have while you're so busy working. Like I've always enjoyed the concept of golf. I love the smell of fresh cut grass, listening to the birds and you know, seeing all the, the beautiful landscape. That's why I'm not a good golf partner because I don't play golf very well and I slow things down and ruin people who are serious. And, and James the same way. He'd be the first to admit or maybe second, I guess. Right. Well, but who doesn't who, who knows in retirement, he and I might play golf twice a week or more. We might just totally get en enchanted by the game. And what will that cost money? We didn't spend while we're still working because we didn't have the time and couldn't do it. That's just an example for you. It might be boating. It might be fishing. It, it might be antiquing in different states or whatever. It might be hunting you know, seasonally. Health insurance, long-term care needs, inflation, emergency types of expenses. 
Those aren't fun things to spend money on, but we need to budget for them. And they're some of the highest inflated year over year increasing in expense items there are. And always having emergency money on the side is important, but it can be invested just more conservative as we mentioned earlier. Um, we think a better method for you to plan on all this is to have a plan that works for you, individualized, customized, holistic, and we will do that for you complimentary. Share our recommendations, share our analysis, and get you in the right path and hope that you'll become a, a client and we can work together for the rest of our forevers. And part of that budgeting when it comes to insurance is the right type of Medicare plan. For some, it's Medicare supplement, others is Medicare Advantage, and of course, prescription drug plans, very important part of that conversation as well. There's more, there's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. Now, on behalf of Greg, myself, James, we want to thank you for listening today. Have a great week and remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.